Welcome, everybody. I'm super glad to be here. Uh, the last time I was up here was, I, I don't know, any of you have junior girls that came to camp? Uh, I, you are lovely. They, I mean, to hear, if you get a chance to speak at junior girls, counsel junior girls, coming up here and listening to those girls sing. I mean, I, many times I sat where Sandy was, where Sandy is sitting, and I was like, you know, let's just go back to the cabin. I mean, it was just so wonderful to hear those nine and ten-year-old girls um, sing about Jesus, and I brought some up here that had gotten saved, and it was an incredible week uh, this year at Junior Girls. I'm so thankful for this camp, aren't you? Uh, it's just a blessing to our whole state and other states, and uh, so I'm super glad uh, to be with you today. Um, I'm just going to give you a little background. When Sandy, I think she sent me a text, and she said, can you speak at a workshop at uh, Ladies Renew? And our, uh, I teach a Bible study at our church. We were going through this book. Some of you might remember this book from years and years ago. Nancy DeMoss updated it, and she added uh, a section really just on what Angela was just talking about, about sexuality. Uh, it was a very good study, but when Sandy sent that text, it was all about God's priorities in our lives and not taking on more than God ever intended you to take on. So I was like, nope, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. And then, you know, well, what about something you've already done, you know, something like that. And so what you're going to get today is a little bit, and then I kind of thought I was prepared, and then you get digging more, and you realize you weren't so prepared. But so a lot of the quotes that I have in here are from Nancy's book. We're going to talk about time, and that our time is God's. And she's got a very good chapter in here. Two other books that I... Um, Shopping for time, she is going to give you day-to-day -day practical things on how to um, use your time wisely for God. And this book, I can't say enough about this book. Our church is going to be doing this in our uh, Sunday School core one hour. It's all about the fact that why are we here? God has sent us to share him with others. And so those are books that have been... A big impact on me. Seth, you're not going to believe it, but I don't see my clicker. Seth? Well, <laughs> I, either Seth is going to do it or he's going to bring me a clicker. Are we good, Seth? I got no clicker. Okay, all right, very good. So, if I can do this without a clicker, we'll see how I do. Okay, um, so when we're thinking about our role as women, sometimes, and I really appreciated what Faith had to say last night about the fact that sometimes we are glory grabbers when we like to tell everyone how busy we are. And we often can want to have that superwoman mentality that as a mom, as a wife, as a worker in the church, 
All of the things we do, we like to try to live up to, I am just absolutely the best at all the hats I wear. And really what happens is that we get frustrated, disappointed. You want to do the next slide, Seth? Uh, we're women, we're invincible, but we are tired, we are stressed out, we not, are not enough hours in the day, and uh, we, even as Christian women, it's a juggling act to try to get done all the things that we feel um, God would have us do. Um, I was just talking to another gal, and I was saying a lot of what we're choosing between are not bad things. We are choosing maybe this church activity with family responsibilities. So all of the things that we're choosing are not black and white. They are, God, really, what is the best choice for this space of my time? And so that's kind of what we're going to try to talk about tonight. We're going to, or today, we're going to look at what Jesus uh, had lined up for us. Um, you going to do the next one? Paul says to us, and I, I really have spent a lot of time looking at this verse this year, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. We want to be wise with how we use our hours, making the best use of my time because the days are evil. So Paul, the Apostle Paul is saying, you know what, periodically, often even, how are you spending your moments? Do, do you like that thing that's on the phone that tells you at the end of the week how many minutes you've been on your telephone? Yeah, no, that, I honestly, I, so my goal has been that that is a shortened amount of time every week. I am getting that down much lower than it was last week. But making good decisions about our time. Why? Because we are sent ones to share the gospel and the days are evil and honestly we don't know if we have tomorrow. So we are to evaluate what we have going. And do the next one, Seth. James 1.5 tells us if any of you lack wisdom, we're going to ask of God and he is going to give us the wisdom that we're asking for. So when I'm coming up between this good thing and this good thing, going to the Lord and saying, Lord, how would you have me use this day or this hour for your glory? Uh, it's a day-to-day, -day, maybe hour-by-hour -hour decision. Okay, Seth? We want to walk as Jesus walked, and we're going to look a little bit. This was really how I came up with the grid on what would Jesus do? I know that sounds a little cliche, but how did he walk? Okay, Seth, the Bible tells us walk worthy of God who calls you. So God has called us. You're, you're a Christian, you're on your way to heaven, you're still here, your job is not done. He's got something for you to do for his glory and he wants you to walk worthy and accomplish that. So you need to use your time wisely. Okay, Seth. 
I love this one, and this is where we're going to go. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk as he walked. So the more time, oh, bless you. Um, so the more time, is it, yeah, it's on too. Wow, you're good. Okay. Uh, he who says he abides in him ought also himself to walk as he walked. So the more I spend time all by myself, not just going to church, not in Bible study, that's all good, but me and him, my Bible open, the more I learn about him, the more I'm going to walk like he walked. I'm going to accomplish what he, he got everything done. We're going to talk about that. The more I abide with him, the, the better it's going to go. It's not going to be a really hard thing. Remember Jesus here, and some of these pictures I'm going to show are just pictures, but what, what did Jesus have to say even to his own mother at 12 years old? I know you guys were looking for me, you wondered where I was, but don't you remember? He, he was determined. He was going to be about the father's business. So even as a 12-year-old, he knew exactly why he was here. So I want to... What I, what I did, and I, I have spent countless hours on my, how's my, how's my days look? How do my hours look? How do my minutes look? Uh, my husband and I retired last year. And so all of a sudden, I was in a new season and so that was on my mind. I, I, I was a little bit scared, I'll be honest with you, about retiring. But I wanted to be just as faithful, just as determined to do what he wanted me to do. And so I decided, you know what? Uh, I learn best when I can see it in living color. So I decided to go straight to the Gospels and look at how Jesus walked. That was the best thing for me. So look at, first thing, right out of Matthew. She will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus because why? He's got a purpose for coming. He is going to save people from their sins. So right away, Jesus knew and was surrendered to the Father's will that he was coming for a primary purpose. He had purpose in his days. He was going to save people from their sins. And willingly, he did that. He was intentionally surrendered to God the Father's will for him. No one takes it from me, but I purposely lay it down of my own accord. I have, he could not do it. He could do it. And, and honestly, this, it, when I've shared my salvation testimony, it's this right here that got me. Uh, some of you know my testimony. I had a father that was not kind. He beat us, all that kind of stuff. And when I saw this truth, that Jesus willingly took a beating for me, when he could have called 10,000 angels, but he had a purpose in coming, and he willingly laid down his life for me, that's when I knew he loves me and I want to be with him the rest of my life. 
So he had the authority, had the ability to take it up again, but he got this command from his father, and he was res determined to do it. And that's the mind that we want to have that Jesus Christ had. Let this mind be in you, which also is in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, he was God the creator. But he thought it not robbery. He didn't need to be equal with God here for a season. Made himself of no reputation. Didn't answer all those people. And took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He was determined to do with his hours what he knew he was supposed to do. He was intentionally surrendered to the Father's will. He knew the Father needed to be satisfied for the payment of all of our sins. Uh, this goes back to, you know, said to his mom and dad, how is it that you sought me? No, you knew that I must be about my father's business. Secondly, he was compassionately resolved. There was an urgency to his work. He really wasn't here very long. Every time I have a birthday, I think about the fact that Jesus was only on the earth for 33 years. And he accomplished everything God wanted him to accomplish. I'm double that. It just makes you, am I doing with an urgency that Jesus had? He said, I must work the works of him that sent me while this day. The night cometh when no man can work. People needed Jesus. They needed to hear what he had to say. They needed to believe what he had to say. He was with the people. He was interrupted by the people. He was healing the people. He was having compassion on the people. It was all about the people. He was laboring hard for his father. The worker is well-earned title to the Lord Jesus Christ. I got this from Spurgeon. He's the worker, the chief worker, the example to all workers. He was working the work that God sent him to do, and he was working hard and diligently. He was absolutely com compassionately resolved to do what God sent him to do. He that sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases the Father. You know, don't we always, not using that word again, always, but aren't we kind of careful not to use the word always? Because it might not always be true, but I, I, for some reason that word always just came out to me. Every single second, that Jesus Christ was here on earth. He was pleasing his father. Every single second, it was all intentional for what he came for. What a statement. We know it's true, it's in the Bible. Every time he, every 30, all those 33 years, 
every time he always did what pleased the Father. When it was time to go to Jerusalem, you remember that verse? He, he set his face. He set his face to head to Jerusalem. Every conversation he'd had up to that point, all of his teaching, all the miracles, all the healing, it was for that purpose, knowing what was waiting for him. The Bible tells us it's with joy he set out. He knew what he was going to face. I mean, sometimes you and I, maybe we're going to go someplace and we sort of think we might know what it's going to be like. But Jesus knew exactly what it was going to be like in Jerusalem. He knew exactly that he was going to get slapped across the face, that the crown was going to get pushed on him, that they were going to mock him and jeer him. He knew exactly what it was going to entail. But he resolutely set his face to go to Jerusalem to do the work that he set out to do. And he, he knew, I'm just going to read what I wrote, he was going to accomplish redemption for all mankind. And then on the other side of the cross, he would conquer the grave and once be again with his Father in heaven. And I wrote in my paper, oh, hallelujah. He resolutely set out to go to Jerusalem for you and for me. And even though we're talking about time, it's not as important as your salvation. And seeing this, if you're here today and maybe you, you don't know what we're talking about, but Jesus came to this earth and purposely paid the debt that your sin needed to be covered. Our sin deserved death and Jesus died for us. And he resolutely came to earth to do that and he did that. Jesus completed the assignment. Here's the foundation of our faith. It is finished. He died on the cross for our sins. God was satisfied. He rose again. A, a good study is Colossians 2. I just love the the complete salvation, the complete forgiveness, the complete victory. Um, this is one of my favorite verses. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And all of us should say, oh, hallelujah, we are righteous not because of ourselves, but because of the Savior that resolutely went to Jerusalem and died for us. So where we want to land is Jesus completed that, and, and we are here today because of that. And we're very thankful that he was surrendered and resolved and that he completed the work God wanted him to do. But we're not perfect like him, and how in the world can we get this done? I love this. This came from Nancy DeMoss's book. Jesus didn't finish everything his disciples wanted him to do. He didn't finish everything the multitudes wanted him to do. He didn't heal everybody that wanted healed. But he did finish the work God wanted him to do. 
I, I think Faith was the one that had this up today. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished. Boy, ladies, don't we love that word? Is our housework ever finished? No. That laundry basket is continually full. But can you imagine just the joy that Jesus had? I finished. It wasn't easy. In fact, it was awful. But he finished what God sent him to do. Christ himself modeled for us. And and that's where we want to get our example, right? We want to get our example for our hours and our days and our minutes. We want to get them from Christ himself. Christ himself modeled for us the very kind of habits and rhythms of life that we need in this age. I'm just going to go through, just now we're going to go, you're going to see what Sandy has been working on in her life. What are some things that are hard for me? I'm trying to look at Christ, and I'm looking at him, and I'm thinking, how does my life look different? How does my life look different than him? Back in the Gospels again, I took myself and I decided that my worship looked different than his. I'm just going to be super honest with you here. My agenda is very important to me. I want to do on a given day what I would like to get done. When I'm making up you know, the list of what you want, uh, I want to accomplish, I need to do this more. Instead, we live in a world that's all about me. We were at a ball game. My husband, my, he took me to Wrigley Field, which is kind of where I grew up by the Baptist Children's Home. We went to Wrigley Field this summer, and I was so excited. I don't really care about the Cubs. I just like Wrigley Field. And there was, I was just so excited to be there and we were, you know, eating our food and having a good time. There was a lady in front of us, she, and she had two kids. I mean, so she's a mother, and she spent the whole time taking pictures of herself and then adding the cubby, uh, what do I want to say? Thank you. Uh, all, all, she, I, the whole game, nine innings. She took pictures of herself and then put cubby things on there. And I thought, she's missing the whole ballgame, you know. I, I, and her husband actually was looking over like, what are you doing, you know. But we live in a society where it's iPhone, iPad, I, I everything. And our worship is off center. We are not worshiping. I am not worshiping um, like Jesus. Take that picture. This, this one. Our target is off. Our worship is off-center. So if my worship is on me, my decisions are going to be about me. What I do in the day are going to be about me. And what God has for me to do, I'm going to think as an afterthought. And I am going to be frustrated 
because I didn't get everything done. When we're off-center with our worship, everything else is askew. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray, and on and on and on through Scripture, I, I could have done many, many slides about Jesus going away and praying all by himself, cultivating that relationship with his Father that kept him on the right track. I love this and I have memorized this. Sometimes we think we are too busy to pray. That is a mistake for praying is a saving of time. You wanna save time? Start your day out with God, get his directions for your day, his, uh, his agenda, and it will be a saving of time. This is a verse that I have come to love. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth. So what do I need when I'm planning my hours and my minutes? I need wisdom from him. So when I start out my day with prayer, I can expect when I ask for it that he's gonna give wisdom from his mouth, it's gonna come knowledge, he's gonna store up sound wisdom for me, he's gonna be a shield to my day and my hours, and he's gonna help me walk in integrity, and he's gonna guard my paths so that I don't go astray, which is so easy to do. We can start out a day with pretty good intentions but we can get off course very quickly. This is another quote from Nancy. The enemy does not care if we believe in God, if we've memorized lots of scripture, or if we fill our schedules with lots of spiritual activities, as long as he can get us to run in our own steam, then living, rather than living in a conscious dependence on the power of the Holy Spirit. When I start out my day asking God for wisdom and strength and even in setting priorities for my hours, he's going to give that and I will realize at the end of the day, wow, I got all that you wanted me to get done, but it wasn't me. It was the Holy Spirit helping me every second of the day. That's when, when the enemy gets upset. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. When I sit down on my bed or at my dining room table and ask God for direction, I can expect grace upon grace upon grace on my day, even in the very hard things, because I've humbled myself and Lord, this is your day. I need your help with the day. This is almost saying the same thing. When I start the day by humbling myself and acknowledging that I can't make it on my own, that I need him, I can count. Don't you love the promises of God? I can count on his divine enabling to carry me through the day. How many times are we frustrated and just stressed out because, wow, I got very little accomplished today? Did we ask for help for the day? Did we ask for guidance for what we should even be doing? But oh, to lay our head on the pillow and think, thank you, God, for all that you enabled me to do today. It was a great day. 
you and me together. <laughs> okay. I wanted to come up with some things that um, were also just very difficult for us. And this is another thing. So our worship can be off, and then there is that word contentment that is a problem. As women, we are terribly susceptible to comparing ourselves with other women and the ministries that they have. Or maybe even uh, the season of life they're in. Well, they're doing so much more than me, and you know what I'm doing, and I'm changing diapers all day. This doesn't seem very productive for God. Oh, young mothers, please don't think that. Well, and we're, we'll, I'm not I'm saying anymore because we're going to get to that. But don't we compare ourselves? I, n I never saw in Scripture one time that Jesus looked at somebody else and compared himself. Let's find beauty in being who God created us to be instead of wishing we were someone else. And I know that seems just so standard or practical, but all around you see... I wish I was her. I wish I had her husband. I wish I had their circumstances. If onlys and all that takes up too much time. And we don't get to accomplish what God intends because if only this or I wish it was like this. And we spend way too much time doing that when God just, I made you. I did not make a mistake. You are exactly where you're supposed to be, who, you're, who you are, and I have a plan for your life. Don't wish you were somebody else. What God has taken you through, he can use greatly if only you're willing and available. You waste time, precious time, wishing for something else. Uh, and I, I was going to mention this too. Our seasons. Women, you're going to see this. You know, I'm, I'm an old lady up here. The seasons change. You might have sent that first child off to kindergarten this year. That's a change. Your child might have graduated this year. That's a change. You might have sent a kid to college this year. That's a change. You might have retired this year. It's a change. But embrace it. You are as old as God has you be. And embrace where you are. Don't wish you were younger. Don't wish you were, none of you are probably doing that. But don't wish for anything different than what you are. Love it. And boy, do we need to teach our teenage girls that. I'm going to get, well, I'll say it right now. One of the things that just kind of I have noticed, and my daughter was a prime example, Erin, was always ready for the next thing, you know. When, it, when she was three years old, she wanted to go to preschool. We sent her off to Grandview to preschool, but she couldn't wait to go every day. Then when she got to go every day, then she wanted to do this. She couldn't, when she was a third grader, she was mad she couldn't come to camp because she wanted to be in fourth grade. And then when she got to junior high, she wanted to be in high school. When she got to high school, I can't wait to go to college. Then you know what it is like at Faith, Faith Bridal College, every girl wants to get, be engaged. That was the big deal. How did you get engaged? That was the big deal. Then you get married. Oh, then you want to have kids. Everybody's wishing 
what God has you doing right now. They're wishing it away. I think God's like, do what you're supposed to do right now. My husband coaches the volleyball team at the college. Every one of those girls, what, what are they looking for? They are looking for Mr. Right and have kids. I said, you enjoy playing volleyball right now. Honestly, you're, when you're changing diapers for three kids, you'll be like, man, them volleyball days are looking pretty good right now. You know, that's just the way it is. God wants us absolutely to be content where he has us right now. The Apostle Paul, and now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. If anybody would have wanted a different ministry, it could have been the Apostle Paul. He had been told up front, this is not gonna be a, a catwalk. It's gonna be hard, but he loved the life that he had and he finished the course and he finished it well. Okay, one other thing I wanna talk about, maybe two, um, taking on more than God ever intended. And this is where we were when I got the thing from Sandy, okay? Taking on more than what God ever intended. We're wearing too many hats, we're trying to do it all, we're trying to be superwoman. And this is from Nancy. The frustration comes when I attempt to take on responsibilities that were never on his agenda for me. When I establish my own agenda or let others determine the priorities for my life, rather than taking time in the word with God all by myself to discern what God wants me to do, instead I end up buried under piles of half-finished poorly done, never attempted projects and tasks. I live with guilt, frustration, haste, rather than enjoying the peace-filled life God ordered for me and he intends. And when I read that, I'm like, <laughs> we get frustrated when we take on far more than God ever intended us to take on. And there's a lot of reasons for that. We want them to be happy with us. They want to th we want them to think we can do it all. It's a pride thing. But it comes with frustration and at a cost and mostly to our families. Really be careful. Frustration is a byproduct of attempting to fill, fulfill responsibilities God never intended for me to carry. That's why I need to be, go all by myself with God. Something comes up. God, do you want me to do this? Is this the best use of my time in the season of life I am in right now? I love this. The truth is that all I have to do is the work God assigns to me. What freedom there is when I accept that there is time for me to do everything that is on God's list for me to do for my day. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him and who's called us. So all he wants you to do for today, when you prayerfully ask him, he's going to enable you to do and do it well for his glory. All right, here's just a few practical tips. Okay. This is, I mean, I, I am really talking to myself here. One of the things that our pastor Brad Fincham said to us one day, and it has stuck with me, is when you go to run errands, 
allow extra time so that if someone stops you, you've got time to visit with them and chat and build into their lives. And I'm like, I usually am just like, okay, 10 minutes in here, five minutes in here. And we need to see that people are not interruptions in our agenda for the day. I, I thought of the Samaritan woman. I thought of Zacchaeus. I, and you could, I mean, there's a Bible study for you. All the people that appear to have interrupted Jesus in his life. And he just built into them and had time for them. When our plans are interrupted, his plans are not. So God knew you were going to meet this person. His plans are proceeding exactly as scheduled, moving us always, including those minutes or hours or years which seem useless or wasted. Maybe you're thinking, that baby of mine is really holding me down. I can't do at church what I'd like to do. Your job is that baby right now. And love it. And that's going to bring us to our next point. I, I, I put that up there. Cease endlessly striving for what you want to do and learn to love what must be done. Don't we want to hurry through so I can do what I really want to do? But there's a lot of things that must be done. The baby must be changed. There's all of that. We need to love it. We strive so hard to do what we naturally desire and are so unhappy. And I mean, are we grumpy women? You know, one thing I've decided that I don't want to be is a grumpy, old, bitter woman. I don't want to do that. And I think here is some, notice the quote doesn't say, learn to grit our teeth and do what must be done. But we're learn, supposed to learn to love it. So cleaning the bathroom, let's be happy about cleaning the bathroom. We love a clean bathroom, right? We got to love the process to get there. Love what must be done. And of course, this verse, what we're doing for those little ones in our homes, we're doing to Christ himself. Here's another one. What I'm thinking. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Often, it is what I'm thinking about that's going to get me what I should be doing and how it will get done, not grudgingly. Uh, tomorrow night, I am having our small group over for our small group meeting. What should be my attitude? Oh, I've been at ladies' retreat all week, and now I've got to have 15 people. Is that what God wants? No. I've got to learn, and it's a, it's a daily thing. Lord, in my thoughts that will come out in my actions, help me be thinking that what is your, with your strength, you're my redeemer, help them be acceptable to you. And we should pray for each other. We are community of women. All of us deal with this. I don't care if you're married, unmarried, black, white, whatever your circumstances, old, young, we all deal with this. So we ought to be playing for each other in this area. So we keep on praying for you, asking God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do.
And this was a prayer that Nancy had that I thought was good. Lord, you know my schedule and all the demands that seem to come at me in every direction. Please help me. We're asking for help. Make wise choices regarding my daily activities so at the end of the day I can say, I finished the work today that you wanted me to fill. That's possible. It's kind of a new thought to us, isn't it? God has not called us to be superwomen. That's not anywhere in Scripture. We can be thankful. We are going to be busy. But we can live a life knowing that God's going to sustain us and carry us through. And when we lay our heads on the pillows at night, we might not feel like superwoman, but we feel like, thank you, Lord, that I'm a servant of yours. And with your enablement today, I accomplish what you wanted me to accomplish in this day. It's real good sleep. This has been a wonderful study for me, and it's an ongoing, um, it's an ongoing desire to just use my days, my hours, even my minutes, um, not wasting on things that God doesn't want me to spend time on, but to be discerning with his help to use our days to glorify him. Thank you.